Wake up, wake up, wake up. It's going to be the Packers coming to town. Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger, wake up, Niners fans. You're officially in the playoffs now, and you got your first opponent revealed in Dallas yesterday. Larry, as the Cowboys laid down to die. Oh, my goodness. What a flop from McCarthy and Bunch. What a game. What a weekend for the Niners, uh, man. I mean, and probably the end of the road for Mike McCarthy as they lose again at home to uh, a Green Bay Packer team. And I hate to be uh, the I told you so guy, but personnel wins the day and the Packers have a ton of it. And Brian Gutekunst, their general manager, who was charged with getting rid of uh, you know Aaron Rodgers, has rebuilt Green Bay's um, arsenal, and they are coming. Started with the trade-up of Jordan Love, and, um, you know, it didn't end there. I mean, Green Bay is is uniquely stacked. They really are. I mean, if you really look at it, and what makes them so challenging is that they don't, you don't know who to, to try to prepare to beat. Last week, Jaden Reed had a 100-yard day. This week, he barely did anything, and Green Bay puts up 50 almost. Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Bo Melton, Dontavian Wicks, they're all playing really, really well. Tucker Craft is a number one tight end. Oh, but wait, so's Luke Musgrave. And Jordan Love's got 20, 21 touchdowns and one pick in his last, like, nine games. Aaron Jones is a tremendous two-way back. They got a, a, a pretty good offensive line that they drafted. Very good defensive line, and they've got a couple of real playmakers in the back end. So they're, um, they're young. I mean, they're all young. Youngest. Not here. Yeah. This, yeah, this is a baby football team, and they are, you know, equal parts kind of where they should be and ahead of schedule all at the same time. I thought that the, the Packers had a really good shot to win that game. I didn't think it would come in blowout fashion. Now the Cowboys were able to do some you know, uh, cosmetic surgery on the final score, but it was 27, nothing green Bay before the Cowboys even got to the stadium. And it really is one of the all time shocking no shows, I think in playoff history, given who they are, the pressure of it all, uh, an undefeated team at home. But before we get into that Cowboys collapse again, just looking at the Packers, you know, um, love wasn't sacked once in the entire game. Um, Aaron Jones, 21 carries, 118 yards, three touchdowns, one of the, you know, one of the greatest postseason games in Packers history. It really was for him. He was a little bit of a do-everything back. Like you said, Romeo Dobbs had a career high, 151 yards. And they were just they were on they were on schedule all day in the first half. I mean, they were picking up chunk plays. You saw an awful lot of an offense that I think is reminiscent of what Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers do. You know, Matt LaFleur was a student under Kyle Shanahan, and he's taken an awful lot of those principles to, you know, to, to Green Bay with him. And this is a team, Larry, that started two and five this year. I mean, there was an awful lot of hand-wringing coming out of Wisconsin about the rough year it was about to be. Some smart Packers insiders, and I really do follow a couple of really smart Packers insiders who are not just like rah-rah Packers fans, but really, you know, try to look at everything from uh, a, a non-overreactionary standpoint and the theme of their early season, again, because I grew up a Bears fan, so I'm always paying attention to the Packers, probably more than I should. Smart people in the room, Larry, kept on saying, 
yes, it's a bad start. Nobody wants to come out of the gate at, you know, at, at, at two and five, but it's a young football team. Anyone who had, you know, any, any sort of, you know, prognostication of the season kept on saying there'll be a second half team. Didn't think the first half was going to quite go that bad, but they're going to be a second half team. And indeed that's exactly what they were. They've been in playoff mode for a little bit of a while playing high stakes football and delivering on an awful lot of promises. Like you said, love is what, what's his touchdown to interception ratio in the last seven, eight games, 21 to one. Yeah. That, that ain't bad. Not last nine games, 21 to one. Yeah. Yeah. Guy's amazing. I mean, uh, Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just saying the, the patience that was, you know, part and parcel of this turning into a good year for the Packers turned out to be the key ingredient. Young teams need time to come together and, you know, you could make the argument that the Packers are ahead of schedule. Some might even say they're on schedule now. They look great. They absolutely look great. Um, and it, it's it's not accidental. Um, it really isn't. Um, they're they're legitimate. I mean, they're they're absolutely there's no getting around it. I mean, there's nothing there's nothing faulty about it. It's you mentioned LaFleur is a good coach. His it's you know, partial scheme, but it's also talent. And they just have an awful lot of it, and it's all young, and it's coming together. I mean, they got a 25-year-old quarterback. Um, you know, Aaron Jones is the old head. Romeo Dobbs, Luke Musgrave, Dontavian Wicks, Tucker Craft, Christian Watson, Bo Melton, Jaden Reed. I mean, part of the problem is when you're a defensive team, you don't know who to take away because they've got so many different guys that they lean on. They're also so young that they don't realize what they're doing. Um, and defensively, Quay Walker is a tremendous player. Kayshawn Nixon is a tremendous player. They both had 11 tackles yesterday. Their front line has some big-time guys. Um, and then Darnell Savage and Zaire, um, Zaire Alexander on the back end, they've got um, Jair. He's, you know, he, he went down with a left ankle injury. We'll see how serious that is. But they're, they're legit. They're absolutely legit. And when you see the momentum that Gutekunst has established there with how he's drafted recently, it's like, okay, wait a second. You know, this team cannot be, you know, taken lightly in any way, shape, or form. So Niners get some huge advantages. They've been resting. Not only that, they get the the short week because the Packers played yesterday and now have to travel and come back, and it's going to be a Saturday night game. 515 Saturday on Fox at Levi Stadium. That's the window. We still don't know the other uh games, obviously, with two more games to be played today. But uh yeah, the 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 the, the 49ers are in that prime time Saturday night window. Right. Which is an a huge advantage for the 49ers. Why? Because you know they're trying to get to the Super Bowl. They get the Packers. First of all, they get the added rest, then they get the Packers traveling you know, from Green Bay to Dallas, from Dallas back to Green Bay, then back to San Francisco uh, while the 49ers are sleeping in their beds the entire time. And if the Niners are lucky enough to win that game and and beat Green Bay, they'll also wind up getting, in my opinion, Detroit off of a short week as well because they will wind up playing um, on Sunday. So, you know, they're going to get two teams at home um, on a short week but they're going to be two damn good teams. And uh, the Niners are going to have to, you know, be really smart. I thought Joe Barry did a nice job 
um, as far as yesterday, kind of confusing Dak Prescott with a bunch of different looks, but basically playing zone. Uh, and it was a myriad of different zones. So they, they found a way to took, take away Lamb and play a lot of zone. That that confused Prescott. And then offensively, I thought the maybe one of the best moves of the day by any coach uh, this weekend so far was, you know, the Cowboys were 10 and 0 this year. And this is a move that um, th- this is a move that I could see him doing against the Niners because the Niners are really good in this scenario as well. Niner, Cowboys were 10 and 0 when they scored first, two and five when they didn't. So what did Green Bay do? They won the coin toss. They took the ball. They went down the field and they scored a touchdown and they never gave Dallas the lead. And then by the time it, Dallas could look at what hit them, it's 27 seven and they're in the dressing room. So Green Bay is, you know, Jordan Love's got good speed. He's got good arm strength. He's he's processing. You can't fool him. He's got a bevy of weapons. He's got a two-way running back, pretty decent offensive line, and he's playing great ball, and they roll in here with tremendous momentum. So Brock Purdy's going to be ha- have to be on his game if if uh if the you know the weeks off made Brock rusty in any way, shape, or form, and he doesn't get with it till the second half, this game could be over by then. But the nice thing is, is that the Niners have a week. You know, they got to study the film on Green Bay really from halftime of yesterday. Everybody knew by halftime that game was over. So the Niners immediately turned to Green Bay if they were smart, and they are. I'm sure they did a lion's share of work on Green Bay the week prior simply because they understood what Green Bay represents. So here it is, Niners and Packers, and um, Niners are going to have to earn this one, man. Uh, and, and and you know, I'm not afraid of Green Bay, but um, they were the team that I wanted to see the least because they are playing great football and they've got real players. It's going to be interesting. I will say this, though. No one is as bad as their worst day, and no one is as good as their best day. I've watched enough Packers this year to know that what you saw in Dallas yesterday is not the Green Bay Packers you always get. I mean, just a couple of weeks ago, <clears throat> you know, they're a 17-9 win over the Bears, kind of biting their teeth to do it. Uh, they allowed 30 to the Carolina Panthers, not even three weeks ago. So, they still have a tendency to play down to their age, but when they're on one, they're definitely on one. And when a team lets go of the rope and just lets you pull on it as hard as possible, you saw what happened yesterday and really lost in all of that was a really decent second half of the Cowboys, but they just dug themselves such a big hole. They couldn't get out of it. Uh, We'll talk again about the Cowboys in just a minute. There's one other good thing that is absolutely, you're talking about the advantages that the 49ers have just in terms of kickoff and body clock, Larry. 89 snaps on that defense. Now, the Packers got to play some backups there, and that's why Dallas, you know, had a pretty good fourth quarter because, you know, Green Bay's in, let's start thinking about San Francisco mode at the end of that Dallas game. But that is, the Packers aren't quite that good. There was an awful lot of laying down to die early in that game from Dallas that I think is part of the reason why the the Packers are coming here looking like world beaters. If you're looking for the real Packer team, I don't think you saw it yesterday. And I don't think that's the two and five team that started the year either, but it's somewhere in between. And I do think the 49ers should be able to handle their business. As a matter of fact, I think the 49ers are going to beat the Green Bay Packers. I think they're going to beat them by 10 points. Um, They're good. They're not great. They're definitely ahead of schedule, 
And you talk about a team that the Packers don't want to run into. I think it's the 49ers because the Niners do know that coaching staff. They do know what LaFleur wants to accomplish. I think there's an awful lot of similarity in the way that the two teams play. So it's sort of like you're playing yourself. You're not going to let Aaron Jones have a, oh my God, he's Emmett Smith afternoon on you. I just don't see that in the 49ers, especially if Eric Armstead's back and it's fully operational Death Star defensively. I just think that the 49ers are set up to beat the Green Bay Packers, but the Packers are without a doubt. They're coming in, you know, on fire right now and feeling good and just young and dumb enough to not understand the situation entirely and not being afraid of it because they've never been in this type of situation. Um, the 49ers must survive this situation to get to the situation we all demand being the X marks the spot of the entire year, and that is reaching the Super Bowl. Uh, welcome, wake up, Damon Bruce, Larry Kruger. It's great to have you here. Larry, I already saw we have a new member. Glock Holiday has become a member and part of the initiated. Hello, Glock Holiday. It is wonderful to see you. Thank you so very much for the support. Uh, hit a like, hit a subscribe. Super chats are wide, wide open. Larry and I have been working hard for you this year, and we're going to continue to do it throughout the playoffs. We've got a lot of content certainly coming up in the next week or two. Well, it better be week or two, right? Better go beyond Saturday, Larry. Um, but look, let's talk about what everyone in sports is really talking about this morning. And that's the Cowboys who just dropped one of the all-time no-shows and gag jobs really in NFL history. I mean, that was remarkable. The Cowboys, just to let you know how disappointing they are, are the first team to win at least 12 games in three consecutive playoff seasons without making a conference title game. So in other words, there's never been a three-game stretch in NFL history, where a team has won more and has had less to show for it than the Dallas Cowboys. And those who want to play the, well, they suck. No, they don't suck. They're pretty good. They've got an awful lot of talent. But they've got a head coach who clearly did not have that team ready to play at kickoff. And I do think that that's a fireable offense. At some point in time, you reach the end of a road with a guy. And I think that they've reached the end of that road with Mike McCarthy, especially when I mean, if if Jerry Jones isn't sending a private plane to Bill Belichick's house today, he's out of his mind. You're going to let the greatest coach in NFL history go take a Falcons job before you give him the godfather offer to come in and save the Dallas Cowboys? I mean, that would be insane. So um, what, a, what a stunning turn of events from the Dallas Cowboys. Who say whatever well, you want, I mean, really good at home all year. Yeah. Jerry's old. He's 81. He's 28 years removed from his last Super Bowl appearance. And, you know, McCarthy's got one more year left on his contract. Um, and he's got a great record. He's 42 and 25 in four regular seasons. He's got three straight 12 win seasons. Uh, he won the NFC East in 2021. He's won the NFC East again this year. But they just have one playoff victory. Um, and, you know, I mean, they that, that you know they're just that's it they don't win in the playoffs they and why do they not win in the playoffs because they haven't been one of the better teams um I, I you know you can rip Dallas all you want and um I just think that th it was all there for you to look at with their profile they were a front runner they beat six or seven bad teams by an average of 30 points a game 
and they're bad all against the, the run. All the they're other bad. games that they played against good teams were close, or they lost. So this was a really good team rolling in, and um, I expected them to go down. I can't sit here and tell you I expected them to go down and then say, oh, my God, I can't believe it. I can believe it. You know, Dallas is a front runner. Uh, they can't stop the run. And guess what? Green Bay rolled in and ran it. And Green Bay had great balance. But Green Bay ran for 143, 143 yards. yards. And Aaron Jones averaged five, six a carry. So they couldn't stop the run again. And they're just built to win one way defensively. They can't stop the run. So what they have to do is their best defense is their offense. Their offense gets a lead, makes you one-sided, and then they pin their ears back and they sack the quarterback. So that never happened yesterday. They never stopped the run. They didn't get a lead. So guess how many sacks they wound up with? Zero. None. Zero. I mean, think about these. Think about the pass rushers on this team. Dorrance Armstrong, Micah Parsons. I mean, uh, Osa from UCLA is a major rusher. Demarcus Lawrence. I mean, they get after you. They, I mean, they absolutely go after the quarterback. They had three hits on the quarterback all day and no sacks. They had one tackle for loss. Their defense makes no impact. Green Bay just hung half a hundred on them because in reality, they called off the dogs in the beginning of the fourth quarter after they scored that last touchdown. Then they brought in uh, the backup quarterback to hand it off. So, you know, they just, they got torched. Um, I expected them to go down. They, that's what they do in the playoffs. Um, I, I think McCarthy is a decent coach, but nothing great. And, um, you know, I think it's interesting that, you know, there was a lot of talk that Belichick is waiting for some of these playoff teams to potentially have a crushing loss so he can jump in there. Immediately, I thought of Dallas and Philly. You know, I mean, Dallas and Philly are probably going to go down this weekend, and they both could use Belichick. And, uh, you know, Belichick's got the six rings with New England and two with the Giants. And so there you go. Um, you know, some of the players in Dallas this morning, Damon, are standing up for Mike McCarthy. Um, but you know what? It's just the bottom line. I, I think Prescott's got to take a lot of blame as well. I mean, he had a bunch of turnovers. He had two um, turnovers, but he still, I mean, he had three touchdowns in a 400-yard day passing. And they obviously threw it into we're only passing mode because they had to play catch-up. But you look at some, I mean, some of Dallas's numbers, like they had 37 first downs. They were 10 of 16 on third down. That's usually good enough to win right there. But they were chasing the scoreboard all day long. Again, it was 27 nothing before the Cowboys even decided to get to the stadium. So yeah. it's... It, uh, when you put yourself in a hole like that in the postseason, you're in an awful lot of trouble. And it's also unfamiliar territory. Saw this note, too. Dallas hadn't trailed by more than eight points at home all year. And again, they're down 27 nothing before they get anything going. So um, just couldn't to, cover Dobbs on any of the long no, passes. No, which love, is weird. Love, they got a decent secondary. I mean, it's wait, just a weird day. Yeah. I mean, uh, CD Lamb and Prescott had an odd vibe going on. It was like, you know, Green Bay obviously tried to take away CD and did a good job of it. Um, and then Dallas, you know, and Dallas in a lot of ways, I mean, it's kind of a weird, a weird situation, but they are kind of a one running back, one wide receiver team. I mean, Michael Gallup is a good player, um, you know, but if you look at you look at Dallas, I mean, you know, I mean, they're like the Niners have multiple receivers, multiple running backs. Dallas is if you take away Pollard, they don't have a second runner. 
And if you take away CD Lamb, Gallup, and Brandon Cooks, I don't know. They're just just all right. So um, the worst the worst thing that you can be as a head coach is unprepared. And it just looked like the Dallas Cowboys were unprepared, unprepared for either their opponent, the moment, the circumstances. Like there's a lot of different things that check that you were unprepared for that category when you're down 27, nothing at home instantly. But that's just, I do think, and I, I, look, I'm not a coach who's had an incredible amount of success, but keeps on flaming out in the playoffs. Therefore he's got to go, but I've never seen a team kind of no show to a first quarter in the postseason at home quite like that. So I do think that that has reached a, you got to go. And also just to push back part of the, you got to go equation is well, who would you replace him with? Now there's, you know, okay. So Bill Belichick is an option. That's a, you got to go situation. Is Bill Belichick going to make this offense better? I mean, he, the offense of Bill Belichick ran in New England was pathetic. I don't think I don't, I, how much of this is McCarthy and how much of this is the D coordinator who may wind up coming here next. F Wilkes winds up leaving. Um, I, I think, you know, you, you, you got Prescott through for four bills. Now, a lot of it was in garbage time. Dallas ran for almost five yards of carry. Land, they had 200 yard receivers and a tight end. They caught 10 balls and three touchdowns. Um, it's their defense. I mean, their defense is just terrible. They but that defense was ranked number one in the NFL when they played the 49ers earlier this season. They've got Micah Parsons. Like, I wasn't hearing about how Dallas's major incomplete was their defense all year long. I mean, it feels like we're pulling on this as a convenient excuse to explain away yesterday. I do think that they have a pretty good defense. I think they got a pretty good offense because I didn't grow up, you know, being bounced as a Niner fan on my daddy's knee. I don't have this visceral hatred for anything Cowboys, and I just look at them, and I thought to myself, they could absolutely go to the Super Bowl. That's a really good football team with talent just about everywhere. But then it got to playoffs, and they just shit the bed as hard as humanly possible. To me, that is a your head coach needs to change. I mean, I you can put it on their defensive coordinator. There I mean, was it absolutely was on their defensive and, coordinator. I mean, you, but 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 again, I, I I had not heard a single complaint about Dallas's defense until yesterday afternoon. I just told you they played they played seven bad teams and they crushed those teams and they're a bully team that if you can't run the ball and they get a big lead all of a sudden Dallas can turn 21-10 into 35-10 or 42-10 better than anybody in football. But the reality is they got gutted by the Niners, they got gutted by the Bills. Like in this game they gave up 510 yards. I mean 500 yards. That's a ton. And, um, you know, Dallas is a, another thing. It, you know, Prescott I always thought was hugely overrated. People talking about MVP. You know, he had a better year this year because he threw it down the field less. He, he, you know, went shorter more and he ran more. And he even ran in this game and some of them were effective, but they were minus two on the turnover table, you know. And, you know, how I'd love to see the stats of teams winning percentage when they throw a pick six it can't be good no what do you um, got up there what's what's the comment you got up there larry we've got loner incognito who says i'm sure you will talk about it but it might look like the packers and potentially the lions for the playoffs what do you all think of the niners chances 
I like the Niners' chances from the standpoint of um, they have a, it's all set up for them. They they're rested. Um, they get they're going to get Green Bay on a short week. They're going to get Detroit if Detroit if it's it is Detroit like I think it's going to be. They get Detroit on a short week. Um, to me, it's going to come down to yes, the Niners are rested. Yes, they're loaded with talent. So if it takes them a half to get into the game, it could be over. So the rust factor in the first half, to me, is the big issue for the San Francisco 49ers. Green Bay is absolutely in a razor's edge right now. They're playing well. They've won four in a row. The offense is cooking. Tons of young weapons. 25-year-old quarterback who's got 21 touchdowns and one pick in his last nine games, rolling in with tremendous momentum. The first quarter is going to be absolutely essential that the Niners kind of remind them, oh, you know what? This is a different day. This right. is a different level. And you hey, know, who's, who's had better first quarters all year than the Niners, right? They lead the NFL in scoring on opening drives, and that's exactly what they're going to need to do. You want to talk about a front runner, Larry? Let's talk about the San Francisco 49ers. They trailed three times this year going into halftime. They lost all three of those games. They are front runners. They are. Kyle Shanahan is. The team is. So they need to get a lead. They need to establish dominance in a game, and they need to take it. Yeah. Um, that's that's who they are. That's what they do, and they have been well-rested enough. They have been set up enough to be who they are and do what they do. So when it comes to opponents, yes, we know the first one. The second remains a mystery. If there is indeed to be a second, there better be a second. Larry, I don't care who shows up. Outside of the 1985 Chicago Bears getting in a time machine, the 49ers better damn well be in the Super Bowl this year. That's the stakes. Right. Oh, and there's no, and, there, and there, there's nothing like, you know, hey, there's nothing ambiguous about any of this. The Niners have, they've got nine pro bowlers. They're at home. They're rested. They've got their quarterback. They've got the weapons. Um, you know, they've got a, a really good team in all three phases of the game. But all I'm saying is, and this is where the rest rust thing, they're going to be rested, but if they're rusty and it shows they could go down and because you just saw, I mean, this game with Dallas was over at halftime. If green Bay puts another first half together in San, in Santa Clara next week, the way they did yesterday against Dallas, this is going to be the Niners biggest challenge. Yeah, I'll, I'll go as far as to say this. I really believe if they can win this game, they can win it all. But this game is going to be very, very challenging from the anthem. And the Niners better be ready. And, it, it, you know, it might be one of those things. Kyle, the, the Niners do one thing that goes against what we've seen, which is Kyle loves to win the coin toss and defer to the second half. But. They're a team that absolutely, so they're giving you the ball first. If they get their choice, they're giving you the ball first. Well, if you're Green Bay, you want the ball first because your offense is cooking and you play better from a lead and you know that the Cowboys didn't, you know, didn't play well from behind. And the same thing they could say about the Cowboys, they, the exact same thing can be said about the Niners. So the Niners defense I'm not worried about the Niners' offense. <clears throat> offense. I think the Niners' offense is going to cook. I think they're going to score. I think as long as they take care of the ball, they're going to score uh, and do what they want to do. But um, I, I, I think the Niners' offense beats this this Green Bay defense. But 
the big question for me is can the Niner defense slow down this incredibly hot quarterback with all these good young weapons? Because that's what they are. Every single one of these weapons is 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 a solid weapon. There not may not be a Debo or an Ayuk in the bunch. Uh, there may not be a Christian McCaffrey or a Kittle, but they've got depth and a and youth on their side and speed. The most important 49ers coach this week leading into this game could be Chris Kasurik. That defensive line is going to have to win the game. I, I mean, I'll agree with you there. You, you Jordan Love probably killed the pressure. Probably didn't even have his jersey washed yesterday. I mean, he was untouched. There was a wide-open, clean pocket. I couldn't believe that the Cowboys were just so passive. And you can't blitz him. They did blitz him one time, and he found the opening. So, I mean, I I saw early in one of those touchdowns early on was Cowboys sent a blitz. They picked up the blitz, and Jordan found the right guy. He's really a developed quarterback. So, you know, and he's got mobility. And he's making a lot of good decisions. Nobody's fearing Green Bay, but at the same time, uh, you got to have proper respect and you better not be rusty because the game could be over at half if you are. And look, you know, the 49ers are an example of what the lightning striking from a you got lucky at quarterback standpoint with Brock Purdy, where this guy who no one expected anything from gets thrown right into the mix due to injury and he takes off running and really hasn't hit the ground since. The Green Bay Packers, three different times in a row now, you know, because let's remember, Brett Favre sat behind Don Mikowski there for a minute. Then, of course, you know, we saw Aaron Rodgers sit behind Brett Favre, and we saw Love then sit behind Rodgers. There is a case to be made that when you got a good quarterback, you just throw him into the fire and see whether or not it's a sink or swim situation. The Packers have gone in the total opposite of that. They've always been patient with their next about-to-be quarterback, and it looks like it has paid off for them for a third time in a row. Now, I'm not saying that Jordan Love is in the Aaron Rodgers-Brett Favre category. He's far, far away from that still. But they've got something when it comes to how they develop quarterbacks on that franchise that has worked for them. I mean, we're, we're in decade number three of that plan being a good plan for them, Larry. It really, it's, it's, it's amazing. Well, it's a solid organization. Yeah. It's a really solid football organization. I mean, that's one, but they've got a great young personnel guy and he traded up in the 2020 draft to get Jordan love out of Utah state and people ripped him for it when he struggled early. Um, and this, they found a way to just develop, you know, the nice thing about playing in green Bay is you're furthest away from any kind of bright light situation. You can just, Focus on football. Right. I mean, Aaron Rodgers tried to turn that bright light on his own team, and he declared war against Brian Gutekinst, and he took yeah. it very public, and it did get a little ugly and messy. But there are, I don't know, enough like football smarts in Wisconsin to where people were like, all right, Aaron, we can sort of see that you're going a little a little off the deep end in terms of being a good teammate. But then you come back with an MVP caliber season, and whenever you're drafting your quarterback of the future while your quarterback of the present is having an MVP caliber season, from a front office standpoint, that feels hard to justify. But then when that quarterback moves on and now you got the guy, you know, what's the old uh, Andrew Brandt saying that the single best time to draft your next quarterback is when you don't need one? Because then there's no pressure to take this raw ball of clay and just roll them out on the field to see what you got. And it's worked out for them. 
I mean, I, I have a reluctant respect combined with a rivalry's hatred for the Green Bay Packers that has been in me my whole life. And there is a team that could cause a problem for the 49ers coming to town. But I think that the 49ers are uniquely equipped to deal with all these problems and are just the right team to take a young Packers team that, you know, is ahead of schedule and, and put them back where they belong in the NFL's pecking order. I think the 49ers are going to be at their very best and maybe the Packers showing up with a threat of scaring the Niners is exactly what the Niners need to sort of jumpstart this playoff run, Larry. I, I no doubt, no I, doubt. This they, they were they served notice yesterday. Yeah, I mean they they didn't. I mean, first of all, it was twenty seven seven at half. It was forty eight sixteen in the fourth quarter. This game was not as close as that score indicates. And as far as Jordan Love, I mean, they took a twenty three year old quarterback. They, you know, he only started one game his rookie year. Uh, he didn't start any games in 2022. So he ba- he basically had played in 10 games over two seasons and had one start and lost that start and had a combined three touchdowns and three interceptions coming into this year. He was a totally unproven entity. What did they do? They gave him the full year. He started all 17 games and went nine and eight in the regular season, 32 touchdowns, 11 picks. But man, if you look at the at what Gutekunst has done in the last two drafts, you say, "How did the Packers do this?" Well, they traded up for Jordan Love in the 2020 draft, but the 2022 and the 2023 drafts, these last two drafts, have been bonanzas, bonanzas. Eight eight good players in each draft. 2022, Quay Walker, Devontae Wyatt. Christian Watson, Romeo Dobbs, Zach Tom, their starting tackle, Kingsley and Egbare, the linebacker, uh, Rashid Walker, another starting tackle. I mean, that's that's eight, that's seven right there uh, from from the 2022 draft. Then he follows it up at this year, and he gets Lucas Van Ness, Luke Musgrave, Jane Reed, Tucker Craft, Dontavian Wicks, Carl Brooks, their kicker Anders Carlson. Carrington Valentine, who's playing this, the corner for them, that's eight. They've gotten 15 players, many of which are starters, just in the last two drafts. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, you got to credit that young GM, man. He is he's fantastic, and I, I think LaFleur is good. I don't think LaFleur is special or anything, but I think he's a solid NFL coach. They got their quarterback. They let him – they groomed him perfectly, and, man, they have surrounded him with a ton of talent, and they're coming. They, you know, this may be a year ahead of schedule and the Niners may slap them around, but they are the team that's building the bonds, you know, the, the bonanza, the juggernaut that's coming in the NFC. Well, and if there's one that feels like it now wears that crown in the AFC, it's got to be the other team from the state of Texas. That was the polar opposite of the Dallas Cowboys where the Dallas Cowboys were slow starting and letting their entire fan base down. You had the Houston Texans just coming out and just throwing haymakers at the Cleveland Browns and making the Browns look like their defense was to be disrespected all year long. And it must have been the offense that drove them to the party. Um, I have never seen a ballyhooed defense kind of lay down and die quite like the Cleveland Browns did. 
as the Texans put up a 40, 45 to 14 win. CJ Stroud, like you were saying, Larry, don't like young quarterbacks against defenses that good. CJ Stroud don't care. Oh my gosh. What have what have we got in this Houston Texans team? Well, they, you know, you know what you get. Like I'll take the team on the come. Oh my god, Damon. They were amazing. All right, let's let's talk about them for a second. People talked endlessly in the late 80s about Jimmy Johnson's, you know, Herschel Walker trade and what it did for the Cowboys. And they it helped create the team of the 90s. They got Emmett Smith out of that. They got Russell Maryland out of that. They got Darren Woodson out of that. They got a bunch, they got like six or seven picks. Novacek. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, I'm just talking about off the off the Herschel Walker trade solely. I'm not sure if he came out of that. Guess what the Texans got for Deshaun Watson so far? This is what they have. Will Anderson, Tank Dell, who's not playing right now. Terrific young receiver might be one of his the best they have. John Mechie, 23-year-old wide receiver. Christian Harris, former Bama linebacker, best player on the field this weekend, had did everything. Damian Pierce, starting NFL running back. Kenyon Green, that's six. Xavier Hutchinson, who's a who's one of Brock Purdy's receivers at Iowa State, seven. Thomas Booker from Stanford, Brandon Hill from Pitt. And they have a 2024 first and a 2024 third. They right now have nine players, uh, six starters, and two and three backups. And they have a first and a third coming. All for Deshaun Watson. Right. Who wasn't even the best quarterback in Cleveland this year. Right. Who the Browns, if you told the Browns they could get out from underneath that uh, tomorrow, they would cut him tomorrow. They gave him a $230 million contract, 100% of it's guaranteed. The guy that needs to get a little credit, we hear about D'Amico a ton, and he deserves it. We hear about Bobby Slowick a ton, and he deserves it. We hear about C.J. Stroud a ton. Nick Cesario, the former Belichick uh, general manager, the former Patriot general manager, the best personnel guy associated with the Patriots during their heyday. has He's the guy who made that trade, and he's the guy that's making all these picks. And you look at, to me, the scary thing about the Texans is Nico Collins looks like Terrell Owens. Yeah. Um, you know, they've got a big-time you know, left tackle and Laramie Tunsil, so they don't have to worry about that. You've got a great young quarterback in C.J. Stroud. They've got a couple really good running backs in Devin Singletary and Damian Pierce, but it's their defensive ends. Will Anderson, Jonathan Greenard, who's now 26, the former Florida Gator, just was awesome yesterday. Derek Barnett, why the Eagles wanted to get rid of Derek Barnett, I have no idea because he looked amazing this weekend. So, I mean, you've, I mean, it's that those three guys up front are just absolutely wreaking havoc right now. And then Christian Harris, Denzel outside, Denzel Perriman inside, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley, uh, Desmond King was monster. This team's made great pickups. Desmond King was a great pickup. He was a street free agent. They Pittsburgh cut him earlier this year and he stepped in this week for, for the Texans and was absolutely dominating. I don't know if you, how much you saw of Desmond King. He had 12 tackles in the game. Seven of them were solo. So all over the place, the Houston defensive ends and Stroud 
they can ride that into Baltimore. If you told me that the Texans went into Baltimore and, and beat the Ravens, I would not be shocked. D'Amico should be coach of the year. There's no doubt about it. How, yep. how awkward is it going to be if, you know, um, Kevin Stefanski is now named coach of the year after D'Amico's team just took his team apart in the postseason. Um, how awkward is it for, uh, for Dak Prescott, uh, uh, pro bowl voters over, uh, Brock Purdy, you know, after, after that performance yesterday. So, um, well, how about, how about the people who didn't vote for Amon Ra? For I mean, Amon Ra is one of the great receivers in the league, and he showed it yesterday. On a name standpoint alone, if the name gets you bonus points, he should have been in there. Amon Ra and Equiminius St. Brown, these are incredible fabricated names that his dad came up with. The, I mean, you know about that. Like, his dad was an Olympic athlete, and his last name was Brown. He's like, well, Brown's not very sexy, so I'm going to put a saint in front of it, even though there's not a Saint Brown. We're don't, forget, become- don't forget about the brother who played for Stanford, Osiris. Osiris, exactly. Equiminius, Osiris, and Amon Ra St. Brown. What, Amon I mean, Ra's a true number one receiver right now, and oh, he yeah. was fantastic yesterday. Yeah, he was. Dude, the Lions were really good all day yesterday. They were. I uh, That was a fun game to watch. But just to go back to the Texans for one moment sometimes, Larry, you know, when you know you're dealing with cancer, you got to get it out. You know, you got to, you just got to, you got to cut it out. Chemo's not, it's going to take too long. You got to cut it out. And there were two cancers that were plaguing the Houston Texans. It was what Deshaun Watson became because of the whole massage scandal. That was a got to get this guy out of here situation. And remember the name Jack Easterby? Remember like what a weird ultra conservative, super religious, prayer-heavy, MAGA kind of presence that that guy had around that team, and he was a real odd duck. Nobody liked Jack Easterby. Uh, But Ray Ratto, who I used to work with, like went on a crusade against Jack Easterby in a way that I was like, Ray, what is is it with you, this guy? He's just like, I've heard things. He's just a weird dude. And and that guy is gone now, too. And look at them. It's like the, the... the Texans got their wings and can fly now. So um, when you when you know you just got a weird guy who's not helping, get him out. <laughs> and, well, and, 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 twice. and it's just like there's no replacing huge amounts of young talent because ultimately their equivalent of the Herschel Walker trade, the, the Deshaun Watson trade, gave them huge talent. Green Bay's Gutekunst's last two drafts have given them a whole bevy of young talent. When do you become dangerous when you get a lot of good young players all at one spot at the same time? You go look at that that Texans team. Nico Collins, 23-24. Brevin Jordan, who had a 76-yard touchdown, 23 years old. John Mechie, 23 years old. I mean, it's like Pierce is 23. Stroud is 22. Um, you know, I mean, it's just, you know, Christian Harris is a relative baby. Um, Will Anderson, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley. These guys are all super young, super talented, all on the same team at the same time. Yeah, Houston's gonna Houston's real. And if I if I'm Baltimore, man, I'm praying like crazy the Steelers pull the upset of the Bills. Otherwise, I'm getting Houston next week. And um, it's gonna be a tough place to play because Baltimore's a tough place to play, but man, Houston. Baltimore and then Kansas City and Buffalo. If Buffalo gets the win over Pittsburgh, as we all expect today, um, I I think those are two really really good football games next weekend in the AFC. How will we remember the 2023 
Miami Dolphins. Because at times they were one of the best watches in all of football, uh, an incredibly entertaining offense. Uh, this is the year where, you know, it felt like Mike McDaniel really arrived as a head coach. And yet at the same time, the Dolphins have, you know, no wins over teams with 500 records that they can point at and say, this is the, the apex of our season. A, a, a huge day of scoring, I guess, was the apex of their season. Um what a weird year it was for the Miami Dolphins, and it comes to a screeching halt 26-7 to in a freezing Arrowhead Stadium. I mean, everybody's going to have their own take. I mean, I've got a couple takes on the Dolphins. One, I don't think Tua is the guy. I don't think he reads coverage. I think if you take away his first read and make him go through his progressions, he can't do it. I don't see what he does particularly well. I've never been a Tua guy. I'm not a Tua guy now. I don't think he's the answer. So I think they still need their quarterback. One, that's number one. Two, they they are an awesome offensive team um, built on speed. They need that power back to complement what they have in Achan and Mostert in the backfield. Uh, they need, you know, the Niners have a whole group of weapons that instead of running around you or by you, run through you. The Dolphins have an the opposite. They've got a group of weapons that nobody wants to run through you. Everybody wants to run by you or around you. They got to have one weapon that wants to run through you. And then on defense, whether we're talking about the Dolphins or any other team, the NFL is a real basic game. It's a rush and cover game. And they had no sacks because all of their rushers got hurt. Nick Chubb out. Van Ginkle out. Um, they were signed, you know, um, uh, the other guy who they had, uh, Jalen Phillips, the hurricane defensive end, the former Bruin and hurricane Chubb. for the year in like week 12, Yeah, they were signing Justin Houston, um, and Bruce Irvin on Wednesday. And, 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 you know, they, they leaned heavily on Melvin Ingram, who was kind of given up for dead by multiple teams in the last couple of years. So they had they you know they're a Russian cover team and on paper they've got some incredible DBs Xavier Howard Jalen Ramsey um, you know the Javon Holland but their rush fell apart injury wise so they'll get their rushers healthy they'll add a piece on defense they need another quarterback and they need a big run through you kind of weapon but um, the Dolphins are just not there yet but they're coming I mean they're. 11 and six, it was, you know, the Mike, you know, and also the decision to go in season hard knocks. I think everybody should take a good look at that and see why that's a terrible idea. Um, you just don't want all those cameras around and all that. You just don't want that. You don't need it. They were really entertaining shows. Don't get me wrong. But why would you do that in season? It's an Larry, obvious I, distraction. I'm so sorry. Give yourself the entire screen. I'll be back in just a moment. I've got a naked two-year-old in front of my window over here. I'll be right back. <laughs> All right. There you go. Uh, it's more Martin Luther King Day. The kids are home, so I'll be right back. <laughs> All right. No problem. But, yeah, as far as the Dolphins are concerned, I like Mike McDaniel. Um, and, I, you know, to me, speed wins, right? So getting Mostert and Achan and Tyreek and Jalen Waddle and all the speed – uh, was a good move on their part, and I like what they're building there. They're super dynamic, but I mean, can you win in cold weather with that outfit? Um, I don't know. I think you need to have a little bit more grit 
to some of your skill position guys. And then I don't know how you guys feel, but I'm just not a Tua guy. I'm not a Tua guy. And, you know, once again, you know, I was to me, if there was a theme of this weekend, it's youth is being served. I did a whole video on that. Um, and Kansas City is a good example. I mean, Kansas City's had a rough year offensively, but they found a way to circle the wagons. How did they do it in this game? Well, they leaned on two really, really young guys. Isaiah Pacheco, they gave him the ball 24 times. He ran for 89 yards and a touchdown. Pacheco's a 24-year-old running back out of Rutgers who's got a lot of talent. And then, um, you know, they don't have they found the one receiver they have that's worth a damn op- opposite Kelsey, and that's Rashi Rice, um, who's a 23-year-old receiver out of SMU, who they found in the second round uh, in this last draft. He's a rookie, and he had a great day. So, you know, how did how did Kansas City get it done? Well, Pacheco had a nice day and a touchdown. Rashi Rice caught eight balls for 130 and a touchdown on 12 targets. You know, they threw the ball 20 at 34 times, and or I should say they had 34 targets to their receivers. 22 of them went to Kelsey and Rice. They just stopped throwing it to the other guys. Marquez Valdez Scantling, they threw him two balls all day. Justin Watson, two balls all day. Richie James two balls all day. McCole Hardman got three targets. They basically just said, you know what? We're going to Kelsey and we're going to Rashi Rice and we're going to hand it to Pacheco and Edwards a little bit and that's it. And that's what they did. And then still defensively, you know, also youth was served on the defensive side for Kansas City. Nick Bolton is a tremendous, I loved him at Missouri. He's a 23-year-old inside linebacker who was considered too short for the NFL. So he fell to the second round. This guy was as good a linebacker as there was in college. 5'11", 237, and he runs like the wind. He had 10 tackles, five solo, a tackle for a loss. And then Carl Loftus, the young uh, defensive end from Purdue. Oh. Um, you know, I'm mean, talking about a 22-year-old defensive end. He was their first-round pick um, in twenty in the 2022 draft. Carl Loftus, one and a half sacks, three hits on the quarterback a tackle for a loss. So, I mean, to me, if there was that theme all weekend, and we'll go back to Damon now, now that oh, you're back, um, you what, everything Larry, okay? Everything okay with the kid? Everything's great. iPads make be- better babysitters than security guards. Like the iPad can keep the kid's attention in one place, but the minute that kid wants to go somewhere else, that's free range chicken right there. So um, <laughs> we, 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 everything's settled. Every, we're good. We're good. <laughs> Everybody's okay. Well, I was just saying that if the the overall theme of this weekend so far to me is that things happen fast in the NFL, and it's all about who's got the young players. And if you go back and look at this weekend, Texans, young team, amazing, amazing trade for uh, by by Cesario gave them all these young players, and they took advantage of it, and then. Detroit, very young team. Aiden Hutchinson, Amon Ra, um, Sam Laporta, Panay Sewell. I mean, they're great young players led the way there. And then Green Bay, the last two drafts have been so special for Gutekunst that they have a ridiculous amount of young talent as well. So uh, youth is being served. And then Kansas City, you know, led the way really by four young players. Outside of Mahomes, it was it was Isaiah Pacheco and Rasheed Rice on offense and Nick Bolton and Carl Loftus on defense. All those guys are 23 or younger. 
So, I mean, you look at the Niners by comparison, the Niners are like a relatively old, old group of football players, but it just kind of shows that it's a young man's game and how you, you know, if you, and it's all about the talent. If you can accumulate enough talent, you can win. And these teams right now, I mean, Houston, Green Bay, (laughs) Detroit, these are some of the, you know, the youngest, most talented teams in the league. And they're coming, man. They are absolutely coming. So the Niners want this ring, and I know they badly do. Um, they got the home field. They got the rest. Uh, they got to sh- they got to have a hell of a week of practice, shake off the rust, be ready at the anthem, and they're going to be challenged by two really, really talented young football teams um, in Green Bay and Detroit, most likely. If they want to go to Vegas, they're going to have to beat them both. Well, and and look, you want to talk about another young, talented team that the 49ers are going to be dealing with, you know, postseason aside, uh, their division rivals. The Rams. The Rams had one of the better years than that that anyone could have expected them to have. They were supposed to be as dead on a rival this year as they have ever been under the Sean McVay banner. And McVay. You want to if you want to talk about coach of the year candidate, he shouldn't win it, but he shouldn't be off the pace that far either. McVeigh had a hell of a year, and that is a young football team all of a sudden. Uh unknown defense surrounding Aaron Donald with I, I don't I don't think we can call Cooper Cup young anymore, but Puka no, he's older. Is the defin- Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell are the working functioning definitions of young players. And Kyron, uh, Kyron Williams, Kyron Williams I mean, is a very young running back. And yeah. And when you look at, you know, where just the, the Rams are in their competitive life cycle, where the 49ers are with their getting now older roster. And you're right. Look, sports is a young man's game. Always has been, always will be. Um, football allows some experience to still matter, maybe more than other sports do. Baseball is also a little bit like that. Uh, now that there's a DH in the National League, especially, it functions a little like that. In basketball, it does not function like that. And the Warriors are finding that out right now. <laughs> you know, the Warriors are finding out what it's like to get old in real time while the entire league is getting young and more athletic around you. But look, I mean, this is it's now time for the 49ers. Windows yeah. shut fast. Economics around the way that this team is built with a quarterback on a not even a rookie deal. Like you know, when you get to quarter, when you get to build a team around a quarterback whose salary doesn't even count towards the cap, it's absurd. So the Niners are in a window of financial absurdity due to the Brock Purdy starts, and just the window of you know diminishing returns on aging players, and it it starts to become more evident. Um, so it it's now time again. This it's, is the most it's absolutely go time for the Niners. Yeah, this is the, they 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 couldn't have asked to have it set up better than how they've got it set up. And now here comes a team that should have your full full attention in the Green Bay Packers, which I actually do think works for the Niners a little bit. You know, I I, I don't know if you know the Tampa Bay Buccaneers rolling into town would have been the spark of inspiration to really start a postseason run on i don't know i mean may, maybe you do want the feels like easier to beat opponent right off the rip but i think that the to throw the niners into the blender in high leveraged this could get dangerous football is a good thing for them and you know i hate to put it on brock purdy but a lot of it's on brock purdy i mean um when brock purdy 
doesn't throw a pick this year, they're undefeated. When he does throw a pick, they're two and four. So don't throw a pick. Take care of the football. It's good advice, Larry. If, if Brock takes care of the football um, and the 49ers don't turn it over, they're the better team. They're at home. They're rested. They're ready. Um, they got a bunch of guys that have been there before. The pressure shouldn't bother them. The one thing that worries me the most, though, is that Green Bay and Detroit are just locked in. Detroit, uh, De you know, Green Bay so young. Uh, they're one of the youngest playoff teams we've seen going back to the AFL NFL merger in 70 that they don't know what the, they don't really even they're not even thinking about pressure. I mean, they're impervious to the pressure because they're so young. You know, it's one thing to be young, but it's like if you're so young and you're all young, they just they're just playing well and it's another game, nothing too big. Same with uh, the Texans. They're playing really well. They're really young. Um, and Detroit is, you know, they just, they're a, a complete football team and they're hard nosed and they believe in their leader. And, you know, these teams are going to be really, really tough to, uh, to beat, but the Niners have the experience factor and somehow the rest, the experience factor, that's gotta be, that's gotta make the difference. I got to think that the 49er defense can do a better job on Green Bay's offense than Dallas's did. But we'll see. There's no doubt. There's no doubt that the 49ers defense is going to have a better day than Dallas's defense did. And there's also no doubt that the 49ers just are not going to become a one-dimensional team. And if you really want to shut down a football team, make them one-dimensional and then just bat that around like a cat with a ball of yarn. Christian McCaffrey is the best player on the field, and he has to be. In every single one of these games coming up, Christian McCaffrey needs to be, you know, we can talk about Brock and Debo and all that stuff, but it's Christian McCaffrey time. Well, I'll, I'll go beyond that. I mean, I'm not worried about all, at all about Christian McCaffrey. To me, it's time for Mooney Ward, Demo Lenore, Ambry Thomas, Jair Brown, Samuel Womack, Isaiah Oliver, Darrell Luter, Tayshawn Gibson, Logan Ryan, those guys. The Niners secondary has got the Niner front's got to put some heat on day on uh, Jordan Love, and um, but more than anything, this Packer team has a ton of really talented receivers, and the young the young Niner secondary that really only has it's a bunch of really really young guys, and then Tayshawn Gibson. And Logan Ryan. It's funny. The team that Aaron Rodgers wanted is now finally there that he's not there. Right. Yeah. No, seriously. It's like he, they couldn't, they never could surround Rodgers with enough. And now Gutekunst shows Rodgers the door has back-to-back -back amazing drafts. Everybody gave the Packers grief in the off season. They're like, why are you not signing a big free agent wide receiver? Why are you guys not signing a big free agent tight end? And little did we know that Gutekunst was going to hit and hit and hit and hit and hit in the draft. Now they've got this bevy of awesome young weapons, and now it's we're going to find out how good the Niners' young secondary is, and can they can they stand up to all these weapons and Jordan Love. One of the comments that just came through here from Niner Niner Bang says, only one person can defeat the 49ers, and it's Kyle Shanahan. And even though that feels, you know, a little inflammatory and overreactive and, and uh, I kind of agree with it. 
I kind of agree with it. Like Kyle, <clears throat> how about this? I, I, I think Kyle's got to have a great postseason. And if he does, Kyle has a great postseason. The offense and the defense both play very well. I mean, it, it's, it should be the Niners here. It should be the Niners here. The advantage that Kyle supposedly has against any other coach in this league, we need to see that. We need to see it. He needs to live up to his billing as smartest cat in the room. And he, he's he got that genius card. It's not like he he throws it around and flaunts it or plays it, but it's there and it's his, and we need to see it. Yeah. You know, Kyle has to have two or three plays that make us all go, shit. How, how well, more than that, I want to see a game plan that, that you know, um, first of all, I, I don't want to see a rusty team. I want to see an efficient plan. I want to see offensive balance. And look, I want to see, and I want to see your stars rise. touch the ball. You have care. stars. The these the the Green Bay's got talent. Um, you have stars. Debo's a star. Ayuk's a star. Kittle's a star. Uh, CMC is a star. Your stars have to rule the day, and you just got to stay out of the way and make sure Brock's got to take care of the football. You got to have offensive balance, but you got to make sure that your stars. Touch the ball. That's over what you're over and in. over and over and over again. No doubt. Antonio Rosales says Shanahan needs to run the ball all postseason and they'll win the Super Bowl. Carl Kelsick. Good morning, Carl Kelsick. Hey. He says, if Larry thought the Packers would win, how about the notion that the Niners did too and got way more of a head start than this weekend? I think that's a good point. I bet you anything uh, they handicapped the whole thing and said Green Bay is beating Dallas. Let's prepare for Green Bay. You know, yeah, I think he's absolutely right. If I saw it, they saw it. Well, you no start doubt. prepping for everyone. You know, you you get some of your scouts and you just start prepping for the whole league as right. it comes your way. You start scouting every single AFC team because they could be potential Super Bowl opponents, for goodness sake. So that's that's Daniel Larry. Garcia. This is the playoffs, Larry. Nothing comes easy. Stop pushing the scared narrative. I'm not pushing any narrative. I'm just telling you the Packers are legit. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't, if you don't believe it, you may find out the hard way. And if the, if the Niners don't believe it, they may find out the hard way. That's all I'm saying. You don't be scared, but proper, uh, you know, uh, 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 you know, appropriate fear of your opponent is a good thing. Make no mistake. All right. It's the old Greg Popovich appropriate fear, appropriate Appropriate fear. fear. The Niners played, they went to Philly with appropriate fear that the Eagles could beat them, and they fired a big, big effort. All I'm saying is they got to be on edge in this game the way they were on edge in that game. They will not roll their jocks out there and just be like, Green Bay's just going to wither and die and and curl up in, a, in the fetal position. It ain't going to happen. And don't right. tell me it's the playoffs. Sometimes teams do wind up curling up in a ball and doing nothing. Um, I think you just saw it from Dallas. All I'm saying is Green Bay is legit. And unlike some teams where it's like, hey, you know what? Take away CD Lamb, take away Tony Pollard, and then you've got it. You, you know, you're you're halfway home. They don't have that kind of player. It's not like, oh, you take away Romeo Dobbs, they're cooked. No. They go to Jaden Reed. Oh, take away Tucker Kraft. They're 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 done. No, they'll go to their other tight end. So I mean. They, they really do have depth of weapons that makes defending them a real challenge. And they're well coached. 
very they're well. Good. I mean, they're 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 really good. And again, you know, Lafleur has got one of the better winning percentages of any young head coach in NFL history. He's put together an awful lot of winning early in his career. I'm sure a part of him feels like, you know, knocking on the door with Aaron Rodgers and then having to reset that, go to another quarterback. It's not quite like it's the same team that's been knocking on the door for a while. But this isn't the first time, you know, Kyle Shanahan's met the Green Bay Packers in the postseason. Not the first time he's met Matt LaFleur in the postseason. So, it is the first time they faced this Jordan Love in the postseason, though. And he's, yeah, he's the one thing about Jordan Love that's a little that is a little scary is that you can kind of tell that he's he's in a great groove. So it's not like he's gonna have to, you know, will he or will he not find his rhythm? Just assume that Saturday night when that anthem plays, this guy is gonna be in full rhythm. So it's really the first obligation of of uh, Kaserik and Wilkes on defense is disrupt that incredible rhythm that Jordan Love we know has going right now. This is got one those, it's one of those games where the pressure is not enough. You need to get home. There's got to be a sack on Jordan Love. Just pressuring Jordan Love and making Jordan Love uncomfortable is a great place to start, but it's not a good place to finish. The finish is the sack. Right. And it's got to be Bosa and it's got to be, you know, Chase Young and it's got to be Javon Hargrave. It's there has to be pressure in that guy's lap. And if you do that, it's going to take pressure off the young secondary, which you were just naming, you know, player by player and everything starts working easier. The one thing that I'm just guarantee you're not going to see, you're not going to see Aaron Jones have that kind of a day against the 49ers. They don't allow those days. They haven't allowed any running back to have that kind of a day in years. And so if the Niners really choose their divisional round in 2024 is the first time they're going to allow an individual rusher over a hundred yards in like a three touchdown afternoon, shame on them. They will have deserved to have lost that game. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's who they are. I don't think it's how they're coached. I don't think it's how they're going to play. But this is a red alert opponent, as they all are. I mean, here's the thing. You know what? what a, I hate the old, well, well, Miami hasn't played anybody. Shut up. They're playing an NFL schedule. You know, it, it, they're, they're, not, they're not playing swack opponents on the way to go and meet the Ravens over in Germany or whatever. I mean, they're, they're playing NFL teams, and I keep on preaching that NFL teams all the time. NFL teams all the time can beat any other NFL team. And that goes doubly like in the playoffs because there's no such, if there's no such thing as a bad regular season team, there's even less such of a thing as a bad postseason team. Everyone well, it's who you team. play. It's, but it's, it's who you play and how you played them. I mean, that's as simple as that. I mean, yeah, it, it Miami's played a bunch of good teams, but they lost to them all year. You know, Dallas played a bunch of good teams, but they either lost to them or barely beat them. Um, and you know, so you have to look closely at the schedule, but, um, you know, it's, it's really how you're playing here. It's mid January. It's like, how you playing now, how you playing now. And, um, right. And, and the, the big problem, the big question with the Niners was, would they get rest? Then they got rest. Now the big question is, will they be rusty? And, uh, that's on Shanahan to make sure that, that whatever way he structures practice this week and how they go about their business, that when they hit the field on Saturday night, they aren't rusty, that they're well, at full tilt and ready I to roll. Reject, I reject even the concept of rust. 
Because we've talked about this. It we can't should, happen. There's no, there's no rust factor on this team. The rest is more important than anything for a team this experienced, this old. This is You want that. And so we can't get the thing that we want and then complain about the negative effects that could come off the thing that you said you wanted. No, but Steve Young, who's been there before, you know, was concerned about three weeks off for Brock and would he be rusty? And, you know, I'll defer to Steve that he's not totally out over his skis that, you know, he has that, that belief. No, he has that belief for a reason. And, um, all I'm saying is it's a, you know, if you are rusty and you're taking on a quarterback like love right now, who, you know, rolls in on a, on a phenomenal rhythm. He's, he's carrying with him a great rhythm. Disrupting that rhythm is going to be object number one of the defense. Establishing your own rhythm is the number one goal of your offense. Those are two big things that have to happen in the first quarter of this game Saturday night for the Niners to to win. Got to disrupt the incredible rhythm that Love has, and you got to make sure whatever rust you have, you shake it off and you're ready to roll. I'm not concerned about Brock Purdy. I'm really not. uh, I, I just think, though, what is concerning is that the 49ers are such, even though they're the veteran team that's been there and done it, when you watch them this year, you wonder if they're fragile because they seem like they only can win one way, which is they get a lead, they score going into the half, they score coming out of the half, they then make you one-dimensional. They pin their ears back in the fourth quarter, and they win 31-17, 31-21, something like that. That seems kind of like their comfortable route. Can they win a game where it's not a comfortable route, and they're down 17-3? Can they win a game where suddenly the other team's got momentum, and they've got to take it back mid-game, down 10? I mean... They may be able to do it. We just haven't seen it this year. And right. that concerns me. I haven't seen it this year. I haven't seen it any year under Kyle, frankly. And that that is a little bit of a concern. So again, if that's the box you're worried out, you're worried of, stay out of that box. You know, and, and it's up to right. the 49ers to get good starts to stay out of it. By the way, Larry, we have something that is happening that has never, ever, ever happened in the entire history of you and I doing a show together. We have double memberships happening. And leave it to Carl Kelsick to make uh, Wake Up History double memberships, a Larry Kruger membership for Carl, and then he comes back around over the top to become a member of the initiated, and he is a, a Damon Bruce Show member now, too. Carl, freaking love you, man. Old school, diehard, KNBR radio lifer right there. Carl Kelsick coming in with a double membership, Larry. It's unprecedented. What a weekend. Double membership for Carl Kelsick. Look at that. Look at that. Nobody ever said it would. They said it would never. We'd never see the day. It never Kelsick happened. Never bought a double membership. Why would anyone uh, be a member of even one of you? Both of you guys? That's ridiculous. That means every time he comes in, he's got to scan both cards. You know, yes, excuse me. Oh, but could you run your other card, Mr. Kelsick? Thank That's you. Right. Thank you very much, Carl. Thanks, Thanks Carl. to all members. Again, 
Uh, thanks to anyone who's dropped a super chat today. Thanks to well, anyone. Should we roll through some chats we here? Should, we should, but hey, hey, thanks to anyone who's just out there chatting in good faith and having a good time this morning. It's the playoffs. This is supposed to be fun, and it has been so far, and the fun hasn't even really started because the Niners, they get going with the Packers on Saturday night, 5-15. Game is going to be on Fox. Of course, Larry and I are going to be doing post-game shows. We're going to be doing wake-ups today. Obviously, you're watching it right now. We're going to be doing another one on Friday, getting you ready. For the weekend, we'll be back. So here's it. Let's make let's have a production meeting right now on the air here, Larry. Okay. With the with the 49ers playing on Saturday, is next week's wake up going to happen Sunday morning, or will we wait until Monday to do it? I think we should go Sunday morning, and then follow it back up with Monday morning. Double. I think we up. go double wake up, double wake ups, like double memberships, unprecedented stuff. Unprecedented for we'll call it the Carl Kelsic Invitational. We'll call Did it the Carl Case Carl Kelsic Doubleheader. We'll go Sunday. We'll run it back on Monday. I mean, let's do that. At what point does someone come in here from the rhythm section and just throw cloaks over us and say you're the hardest working men in show business? You got double James Brown going on here. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Carl. Uh, before I tell you what, Larry, before we get to the super chats and let's okay. jump into there in just a second, I want uh, there's two other things that I just have to bring up on my end. The best weekend, who had the, the NFL's best weekend and who had the worst weekend in sports. And obviously there are still games, two of them to be played tonight, which brings us to our worst weekend in sports. Guess who had the worst weekend in sports? The NBA, Larry. NBA, NBA. The, the uh, NBA had the worst weekend in sports because not only has Christmas been hijacked by the NFL this year, the one, the one holiday that is reserved for NBA to take over with midday and matinee action is Martin Luther King Day, which today is Happy Martin Luther King Day. Hopefully, it's a day off for the vast majority of everyone. And it's normally a day where you watch the Warriors tip off, you know, in the middle of the afternoon and you have a little lunch with the Golden State Warriors. Well, we got we, we, we've got Pittsburgh and Buffalo 130 West Coast time. Draymond Green does return for the Warriors, which adds another reason to sort of lean into that game. It's happening in Memphis. And if you could talk about what is the sacred ground for an NBA game on Martin Luther King Day, it's definitely in Memphis. So. Um, what what's supposed to be a day that belongs to the NBA has totally been hijacked by snow moving the Pittsburgh Buffalo game to a 1:30 in the afternoon West Coast start, and then at 5:15 tonight you got Eagles and Tampa Bay. And if there's one thing that the NBA knows is you don't want to go up against the NFL in its regular season, and you sure as fuck don't want to see the NFL in its postseason. Bad break for the NBA. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would say the big loser, if you gave, I don't know if you were going to name one, but I'll say the big loser this weekend are the idiot bulls fans Friday night as they're honoring Jerry Krause, the late Jerry Krause, the former general manager of the Chicago bulls, one of the most successful dynasties in the history of the NBA, his widow Thelma was there. And the Bulls recognized, you know, 13 franchise franchise stars and, and honored their 95-96 championship team, despite the fact that Jordan didn't even show up. 
um, and they put him in their ring of honor in a ceremony at halftime. But the United Center fans booed the idea of Jerry Krause and his widow sat there crying, crying. visibly upset, noticeable hurt, hearing the boos. People are rubbing her shoulders. I mean, what the hell's wrong with you, Chicago? Jesus Christ. I mean, my God, do you have no class at all? I mean, well, no class at all. The man's widow is right there. You won titles. I get over your stupid sports drama between who deserved more credit between Jerry and Phil and the breakup of the Bulls. Get over it. You won all those titles. It was years ago. The guy's no longer on this planet. His his late wife is probably in her 80s. She gets dressed up, comes out to the United Center, and you boo Jerry Krause. I mean, what a bunch of classless assholes. Okay. I so mean, it just, I it mean come every, on, Chicago. It wasn't, it wasn't everyone, but Chicago being a Midwestern town and a little bit nicer than Philadelphia, New York, Boston, that was definitely a bad look. As someone who grew up a Chicago Bears fan, let me tell you how I feel about the whole thing. It's awful that that happened with that poor woman there, clearly rattled by it. You know, she spent no time in the blender or in the heat of competition, and that was an awful way. She went out to have her late husband remembered, and it turned into a disaster. I mean, come on. You no, want to no, boo, you want to no, boo a no, Joe no, Lakeup no. because you didn't like the Monte Ellis trade? So what? Joe's a big boy. He can take it. He's a self-made billionaire. That, that that the same thing that you're applying to that, I'm applying to this situation too. What dumb fuck in the Chicago pregame ceremony ceremony office said, yeah, let's invite her. If you didn't know, because I'm going to tell you right now, someone who grew up a Bulls fan, Jerry Krause deserves to be booed in death forever based on what he did and the way his ego got in the way of that team. So... I'm very sorry that that happened, but fuck Jerry Krause. And I mean that to this day. Um, Come on, dude. Know, We're talking about you get, get over it. Her. First of all, you're totally talking about you're only talking her. about the backside of it. You don't you're invite her. You you're, don't invite her. You do you invite, her. invite her. You don't he, invite her. You have to know that the general manager of the team. He was the architect of the team. Now, Rod Thorne drafted Jordan. You don't invite Jerry Krause put that whole thing together. You don't and if you're going to honor the dynasty and this and that, then he should be honored. And, you know, what we shouldn't invite, uh, you know, the, the widow of Jerry Krause because we know Bulls fans are idiots. No, I mean, but I'm going to tell you right now, if you didn't know. How about this? Bulls fans, you, stop being idiots. You could be on a an L platform and anywhere in Chicago and just say. Jerry Krause. Boo! Like, it's, of course he's going to get booed. Jerry Krause is going to be booed for the remainder of all time in Chicago to invite a guy's widow when you know. How did you not know he was going to be booed? You have to know that. The same way that... Well, first whoever, of all, why should this guy have been booed? They won six championships, Damon. Six. He was an executive of the year twice. He, it wasn't like he was just along for the ride. He was the architect of a team that won six championships. Right. I mean, but he built the team. He decided, he decided this Michael Jordan costs too much money and we can't go forward anymore. Okay. It's, it was a, it was a, it was a bad decision. It was a bad decision, a bad decision, but it was also a bad decision that was made 20 years ago. Get over it. Yeah, you have, Hey, Hey, you know what? 
How you done since? You know who smiled ear to Not ear? Not that great. You know who smiled ear to ear in that moment? Michael Jeffrey Jordan. Well, then, then, then he's very small. He is. Oh, Michael the Jordan. Bottom, the bottom line is you, on the course. This this guy, you know, come on, man. I mean, let's. You won six rings. Right, could have been eight. The guy could have been eight, but he won six, and you haven't won one since. So maybe. Maybe boo the people running the thing today a little bit as well. I mean, Jerry's, I, I mean, I get it. I, we all know the story. He pulled the plug. He wanted Koo coach. You know, he pulled the plug on the dynasty, ran out Phil. He made some mistakes. He made it about him. I get it. But the guy still won six titles and he won a couple executive of the year awards. And it's like Bulls fans. I mean, you're supposed to take a have a little perspective. And then you fact of the matter is the guy's dead and his wife's right there. I mean, Mike. Well, here's the thing. I don't think classless. I don't think fans knew that Thelma was in the building. They showed her on the big screen. Oh, right. But it was too late at that point. The booze had begun. I guess my my point is don't set something up for failure. And whoever in game night ops didn't realize, hey, this is going to go really, really well until we get to Jerry Krause. And then he's going to get booed out of the fucking gym. But Damon, he's no longer that he's no longer alive, and he was a, she was attending his Ring of Honor induction on his behalf. How do you have? Okay, if you're not going to invite her, you got to invite somebody. Does he Don't have a son her. or a daughter or somebody? I mean, I mean, Don't the fact it. of the matter is, people booed so loudly win. that they brought his widow to tears and shame on Chicago. Don't. The, there's a right and there's a wrong. Don't I will always stand up for man. right over wrong. It is wrong to boo. It's bad karma. It's bad karma. Okay. So I mean, here we on. are. Here we are. It is the first game in Las Vegas A's history, and they introduced John Fisher. Shouldn't he be booed? John Fisher never won anything. No, but he should also be. Anyway, I, I John was Fisher, it's a bad comparison. John it's Fisher should be booed because right. he is the richest owner and he carved out a profit for himself and basically just uh, made the A's an island unto themselves. And I would sapped off the general fund. And then when the when the when they, when they got when he got kicked off the dole, then he cried poor, poor mouth. He would have been totally satisfied to take his 10 to 20 million profit every year. Because at the at his core, he's not a sportsman. He's a bean county bean counter. He's not even a self-made guy. He was born into the wealth. So it's like you know. I mean, it's yeah. I mean, you know, John Fisher is is the lucky son of Donald Fisher and nothing more. And he knows it. And you know, it, it's sick. I mean, he's got a sickness. He's got more money than almost than many owners combined, and yet he sat there and. And basically said, you know, I'm not going to raise my finger and try to build a stadium. I mean, the Giants had failed stadium efforts. The A's didn't really have failed stadium efforts. I mean, John Fisher easily could have built that stadium himself. And with money, there's 100% privately financed, but never even tried to put together a group to privately finance anything. He was always there with his handout demanding that the, the city of Oakland, who was terribly under budget, just cut him a deal. So I, you know. Totally different situations. He, Jerry Krause was accomplished within his field. John Fisher is just born on third base, thought he hit a triple. Right. Okay. Bad comparison. Shouldn't have even brought it up. But I'm guessing the whole point is don't play games you can't win. 
I would have walked up and, and before they retired. Who who was that? Was it Rick Barry's? No, Rick Barry was it was a Chris yeah. Mullen retirement ceremony, retiring Mully's number. The fact that no one walked up to Joe Lacob and said, the minute you touch that microphone, you're going to get booed off this fucking court. D- d- like, meant you didn't know your own fan base. No, he didn't. He didn't. He was brand new. And and what he didn't realize was that, yeah, the Warriors had lost, but that Monte Ellis had entertained those people many, many, many nights. And at the time, they were trading him for, for Andrew Bogut. Injured Andrew and Andrew Bogut was an injured center who was not playing, who had been hurt. It didn't even matter. It didn't even matter. No one was thinking about Monte Ellis when they were booing him. He just No, they the were. They absolutely were thinking about Monte Ellis. represented incompetent ownership. And until you do something, you get no victory laps. You get to take no bows. All you are is a rich guy. He was on with us. Hasn't proven anything. Hold on, Larry. Hold on. The whole point was Lakeham should have never touched the mic that night. And had he not touched that mic, he's not booed. And then he'll even tell you that the booing really motivated him and good things came out of it. That's good. Whoever is in charge of Bulls game night ops, I would have just said, if you really think that Jerry Krause is going to go play, if you think this is going to play well tonight, like let's stake your resume on it. Like let's So if he gets booed, you resign. If he doesn't get booed, we'll give you a $5 million bonus. Of course, Jerry Krause was going to get booed. Come on. What, 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 what I mean, you know, the world's a mean, nasty place, and people are, you know, take more asshole pills every morning than ever before. And of course, he was going to get booed. And how do you put his wife in that situation? Are the fans to be embarrassed? Yes. Shame on them. But shame on the Chicago Bulls for inviting Thelma to a real live booing of her dead husband. That was guaranteed to happen. And if you didn't see it coming, you're blind. Well, they had, they had to invite her. They had to invite her. No, no functional history of how angry and how mud it's like, Jerry, you don't see Jerry Reinsdorf coming out looking for a boo or for for a round of applause anywhere. Cause he knows what happens when he stands up, he's going to get booed right out of the fucking Jim, I mean, it, no, no, on, I'm, not, I'm not with you on this one. I'm not. I'm. 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 Shame on the fans. I'm dealing in reality. Don't. Don't. I'm boo. dealing in reality. Yeah, but don't. Yeah. Don't. Don't. Don't be so classless that you're booing somebody with their and 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 maybe the Bulls should have just informed her. Hey, you know what? Let's let's laugh about it. Let's lean in because yeah, you, we bad, we know Thelma. we know they're we know that we're you're going to get booed because there's just a lot of classless people. She seemed shocked by it. And she seemed bothered by it, and it was wrong, and it was wrong, and, and shame on those people. I would they have, never a, in they have no perspective. They want a bunch of rings. I mean, come no on, it's not, your, it's not your, it's not your birthright to get eight. You got six. Be nope. happy with the six. Look, I'm just telling. I'm telling you. You come out here, Johnny uh, Grand down to Damon. You're classless. No, Damon's living in reality. Damon understands how sports works. Damon understands how fans work. And Damon but they were honoring him, Widows. Damon. They had to bring somebody from his family. Does it matter if it, it was his son, daughter, or wife? I mean, it's just bad. Just come on, Chicago. You won a bunch of rings. Honor the guy. I mean, I mean, seriously, you I haven't won. You haven't won Jack Squat since. You haven't. You haven't even been to the finals since. So maybe, I mean, you know, these were the good old days. Right. I mean, it's just like, you know, I mean, should should uh, should the Giants owners um, the next time they take the mic, get booed loudly? Um, you know, they basically they 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 say goodbye to Brian Sabian for Farhan Zaidi. 
do you they think said Farhan, goodbye to Bruce Bochy for Gabe Kapler? Do you think the that Farhan? Do you think that the Giants would allow Farhan to take a public booing? No, but I mean, if tomorrow be- the Giants honored Sabian and Boach, and let's say it's ten years from now, and they weren't alive, and their widows were there, and, they, and everybody and everybody booed, people would be, you know, it should. Is it a bad plan that they were honored, or is it shame on the people booing? It's shame on the people booing. That's okay. Yes. Okay. Let's, good. Let's, we let's put the blame where the blame belongs. Right. But if I were also to make a list. A flow chart, not based on what happened, but based on everything I know about Chicago sports, okay? Of most booable names in Chicago sports history. Jerry Krause's name is at the top of the fucking list, Larry. I get it, but it was also a long time ago, and it was surrounded by a lot, awful lot of winning. I mean, right. should, the, should the Giants be, should they never honor Boach or Sabes again? No, they should totally honor them, but those guys were beloved. Jerry Krause, while they're winning titles, was a villain. Jerry Krause wasn't beloved for a millisecond of the entire run. There was no point in time, and this is a world ago where we didn't cover sports through the prism of general managers and their decisions. It was a different world. And in a different world, Jerry Krause was hated. He was never liked. He wasn't liked during the parades. He got booed at victory parades. He got booed at victory ceremonies. Jerry Krause has not been like it's like Roger Goodell. Do you think so Roger should, Goodell should would they not have him? should they not have honored him? If it's gonna go wrong, yeah, you don't. You just say, look, there's we can't win. <laughs> or you just he won you, six titles. He's gotta be in it was an un, it was just an it was it was just gonna happen. That's all. It was just gonna happen. That's he, my that's my whole point. It was going to happen. So you avoid yeah. the thing that you know is going to happen. If you know anything about Chicago sports, if you well, know anything I do know about, thing about Chicago sports, because my mother is from there and I spent a lot of time there. Um, six, six NBA championships. He belonged in their ring of honor. So he had to go in somehow. Sure. Well, put him they, in. Put him should in they have put him in with a, a memo no. at a no, three o'clock in the afternoon? Uh, we have now put. Uh, Jerry Krause into yes, the Chicago Bulls ring of done. honor. That's what they should have done. They are, they, they literally should have just, you know, gone dark one night. Jerry Krause's name is put up in the ring of honor in the middle of the night. And then you walk back in for the next game and you're like, ah, oh, you know, Jerry's up there now. We okay. don't know. The only thing we don't know is we don't know. I mean, maybe somebody from the Bulls told her up front, Hey, you know what? You know that how this is going to go. Right. And she said, that's okay. I want to come anyway. I mean, that's probably what happened. Um, you know, I mean, she wanted to be there for to honor her deceased husband. I mean, it's like shame on the Bulls fans. I mean, it's like get over it too. Seriously, get over I'm it. Just you won six you. rings. I understand. Just, I, I, I understand I, what you're saying, but you're taking the blame off of the fans and putting it on some 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 Bulls organizational person. And all I'm saying is, once you win the six titles, the only way to get in the Ring of Honor is usually on some ceremony. So you had to be honored at some did point. Anyone know it wasn't opening the, night. It was just game 58 or whatever, you know, did, any, did anybody notice the 10 part fuck Jerry Krause documentary that Michael Jordan rolled out just like during the pandemic? I mean, w- come on, there has been a in death campaign against Jerry Krause, getting credit for anything from Michael Jordan and camp Jordan in his entire life. I mean, you just have to know you, you you can't conduct the symphony if you don't know how the band is going to sound. Okay. And what's the alternative? Then don't do it. Don't do it. 
That's the alternative. Don't let this nice old lady watch her husband booed in effigy. Don't do it. <laughs> that's that's what I would have recommended. Stop honoring uh, your six rings and your GM, your architect of six yeah, rings. Yeah, no, first of all, no one gives a fuck about a GM. No, one, fans don't care like the way you and I do. Fans don't care, but they do know that that guy's a villain and he will be. Look, if it happened again tomorrow. Jerry Krause can get booed out of the fucking gym tomorrow. There's no amount of public shaming and and Stacey King on the broadcast and Steve Kerr tisk ticking everyone. And and look, good, it is tisk tisk everyone. That was a classless move. It's gonna fucking happen tomorrow. It'll happen the next day in 50 years from now. If you say Jerry Krause at the United Center, he's gonna get fucking booed then too, Larry. He gets booed forever. Some people just you're. It's like bring Art Modell back to Cleveland. See how that goes. See how that fucking goes. Some people just are going to get booed. Right or wrong, fair or foul, widow present or not, Jerry Krause gets put in the, oh, this guy's going to get booed column every time. Every time. And the- once again, it's idiotic because they won six rings and have won nonsense. All right. Okay. I mean, it's idiotic. The best I mean, it's crazy. You're you're yeah. booing a guy who led you to your most successful period of time. Yeah, that was Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Come on. This guy was the executive, and he made a number of good trades. And he put Scottie Pippen on that team, by the way. He drafted Olden Polonies and traded him for Scottie Pippen. I mean, if you love Scottie Pippen, wouldn't you love the guy who put it together? I mean, just no, have a little the, be better than that, Chicago. That's the message. Be right. better than that. Everyone gets the sh- tisk tisk Chicago. Come tisk, on. Tisk, That's tisk, wrong. Chicago. That was wrong. It was wrong. Jerry Krause will be booed. They were the they were breakfast. I, yeah, I get it. But you know, it's like, should he, should they never be able to honor their no. team because nope. uh nope. you know and Krause is part of it? It's not honor like you can team. just be like, ah, you know what? Krause wasn't part of it. We'll just forget about him. And she, you know, she probably on some level had to know what she was getting in into. It's just bad, bad, bad. I would have avoided the situation by not putting that nice lady in the bad situation. And I could have seen that bad situation coming on IMAX. I mean, it was guaranteed. It was coming at you in 3D and you didn't see it. That's why I didn't say that I didn't see it, but maybe she didn't see it. Maybe she maybe she thought, I don't know, dude, maybe she thought people were fucking normal and would get over it over time. No way. No way. There were six titles associated with the brand. I clearly you know would think, more about this. You would think that you would think that people that had six titles and have had none since, you know, uh, would would really uh, would really figure out that maybe those were the good old days, and maybe Jerry wasn't all bad. He'll be booed at his funeral. I'm gonna boo you if you don't change the fucking topic. You want to know who the biggest winner was in the NFL this weekend? Can you guess the name of the biggest winner in the NFL this weekend? I think it's probably Bill Belichick. Incorrect. It's Kristen Juszczyk. Kristen Juszczyk had the best weekend of any NFL wife maybe ever. She's got Taylor Swift rocking her gear. She's got this gear now going 
in trending directions on all social media. And there is her husband, Kyle, making sure that she gets credit and he is hunting every tweet and Instagram and Facebook post to make sure that everybody in the world knows, hey, my wife made that. Kyle Juszczyk jumped on some real husband shit this weekend and did right by his wife. And Christian Juszczyk is probably one of the more famous designers of sports paraphernalia in the history of designing sports paraphernalia. Not since Alyssa Milano was banging Dodgers pitchers and saying, hey, maybe we should make jerseys with sparkles on them. Has any has, has, has any woman had a better weekend in sports paraphernalia then Christian, Kristen Juszczyk, who just made Debo's Brock MVP vest from a week ago, and now this woman is probably she could sell a she could she could sell a coat to Taylor Swift for probably ten grand. Good for good for the Juszczyks. <laughs> Anything that touches Taylor Swift, right, is just like it's going to make I, money. It's just it's unbelievable. It's a story. Taylor Swift does anything, and it's a story. Nice jacket, though. Nice little jacket. She can honor uh, uh, her her husband in the in the booth there, and the the warmth of the booth, I guess. Um, yeah, got a lot of headlines for sure. Good, Good looking. Her. Look at Chiefs. For people who didn't see it, it's kind of like a Chiefs jersey winter coat. Yeah, she she did a great job. I mean, there's cool. If if I were a Travis Kelsey cheese fan, I would totally want to rock that coat. It was a cool coat. So there you go. There's your biggest winner. Your biggest loser from the weekend is the NBA's Martin Luther King matinees getting trampled on by the no one saw it coming NFL doubleheader thanks to snow in Buffalo. Um, by the way, did you see some of the footage? from what would have been so the, this would be kickoff right now in Buffalo. Did you, it looked like the Hoth planet. It, I mean, the, the, the last time you saw something that snowy, there was a Tauntaun in the scene. It was, uh, it, it, it was a, a blizzard of the first degree. I'm all about playing in elements. Those were not elements that could have been played in. Wow. Uh, that's all I thought when watching that. It's like, do people, is there like a, a wall around that city where people are not allowed to drive away and live somewhere else? I mean, my God, that is just a ridiculous why you would want to live in Western New York. I mean, just just an absolute snow fest. Um, I'm kind of glad they they um, canceled the game, you know, on, on Saturday because it looked like it would have been an unfair situation. But um, is it going to be that much better today? I, mean, I don't know. I mean, I heard the day was minus 10. They put up a flag for extra shovelers. Apparently, they've cleared out the like the the aisles, but the seats are still covered in snow. Um, it's look. This is this is what you want if you live in Buffalo. This is what you've signed up for. You've signed up for a life that can just be completely overtaken by a weather event. You know, we had somewhere to go today. We had a baby to deliver at the hospital. <laughs> Not today. You don't. You're going to have, that's going to be a home birth. I mean, that's how that, that, that's the lake effect. That is that snow that I grew up close to. And so it, it's, it's something else when that happens and it's going to be a miserable, miserable conditions today. Look at how cold it was at Arrowhead. That did not look fun at 
all. Did you well, see yeah. the colorways of Tyreek Hill? Tyreek Hill wanted nothing to do with that afternoon in terms of the weather. Like he tried to come out with no sleeves. And then as soon as he got out there with no sleeves, you could see him say, get me a coat, get, get me a coat. Look at the difference in today's two games. The Bills, uh, Steelers, they're estimating at kickoff it will be 17 degrees. Uh, Eagles, Bucks, 67 degrees. Balmy. Balmy. Yeah, almost 70 degrees in Tampa for Eagles, Bucks. Wh- who are your winners today? I think Tampa carries the day. I think the Bills get it done as well. I, I, I think you think the same, right? Yeah, I'm trying to. I, I won my combo bet yesterday because I I was all over uh, all over Packers and I I took the Rams on the teaser, getting ten and a half. Um, I'm just not sure how to wager on this one today. I I I like the Bills and I think they're probably going to win in a blowout, but I don't know. They they kind of Jekyll and Hyde and the Steelers. You know who knows? The Steelers might be able to run the ball a little bit. Um, Buffalo, I definitely like Buffalo to win the game. The other one I, I, I do, I'm battling back and forth. Do the Eagles show some kind of bounce back championship medal and beat the one team that they probably could handle this weekend in Tampa Bay? Or do we, you know, is it about somehow the Eagles have a championship medal and they circle the wagons for one, one big victory before they go down next week in Detroit? Or is it Buccaneers, you know, with Godwin and Evans against the, one of the worst pass defenses in the league, and it's all Tampa. Baker's not 100%. It's Philly's a three-point favorite in the game. I can't really decide on that game. I, I'm, I don't, I'm not sure which direction to go there. It's be nighttime in Tampa. Should be a perfect, cool, crisp night for football, but, you know, probably weather in the 50s. Um by the time kickoff comes, I don't know. I can't, I can't really handicap that game. I, I'm not sure who's going to win. I would, I would lean towards Buccaneers getting three at home, but I don't, I don't have a conviction on that one. Maybe it's just a layoff night for Larry Kruger. Count, count your winnings. Don't go back yeah. to the window. This is it's a layoff, Larry. Sometimes know, the bet you I, make I, is the bet you don't make. Yeah, stay away. It's the, it's the stay away. It's the stay away. It's it's like inviting Jerry Krause back. It's just a stay away. You shouldn't do that. <laughs> just stay away from it. Larry, let's check out some supers before we go. What do we got? Okay. Well, first of all, we'll just go straight from the top. Glock Holiday jumped in. He's a member of Damon's channel. He became Thank a YouTube you. member today. We we read the, uh, the loner incognito. Then we have this one from Gary Van Horn. He's become a YouTube member today. Jeff Hayashi says credit due to Green Bay, but Dallas looked completely unprepared and were likely overconfident or lackadaisical due to the regular season home record and seeding position. Better watch this tape good and pay Green Bay like a one seed. Maybe play Green Bay like a one seed. I think that's what he meant, but I, I completely agree. Dallas came out just like they didn't, they weren't aware of what time the game started to be down 27 nothing instantly is just it was is you and i both agreed the packers could win that game i didn't think they'd win the game like that no one saw that coming and that's why mccarthy probably doesn't last to the end of business tomorrow yeah he's out he's out um jerry and his sons up there in the booth looked like they were hatching a plan 
Uh, now, who's in is the question. Double B Studios says Dallas slept on Green Bay. They were looking at next week. I don't. I don't. I think if Dallas and Green Bay played ten times right now, Green Bay would win eight. I really believe that Green Bay is just better than Dallas right now. They're better on the line of scrimmage. They're the, Dallas is a front-running team that crushed bad teams. If you don't believe me, go chill, look at their schedule. They beat every bad team on their schedule by 30-plus points. Kevin C says, how wild was it that the announcers last night kept calling it the Cowboys the number one offense? I had to assume they forgot about the 49ers offense. They probably were number one, right? Was it points or yards? Probably number one. It was points, yards, or if you want to just look at it as who they are at home, maybe that's where they were. So look, there, there's never going to be a game where the Cowboys aren't getting the favor of the broadcasting crew because there is no team in the world that delivers audience quite like the Dallas Cowboys. And if you are in the audience business, you want the Dallas Cowboys to go as far as possible. It's just the way it goes. That's 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 what all these television networks want. They want a Super Bowl with the Dallas Cowboys in it. There couldn't be anything bigger. The single biggest viewed sporting event in world history outside of maybe a, a World Cup final or something like that is going to be Dallas Cowboys against the Patrick Mahomes, Kansas City Chiefs with Taylor Swift in attendance. That's what Roger Goodell goes home and jerks off to that. Uh, that's happened this year. That's a good that's a good imagery there. Uh, number one offense, as far as yards was Miami number one, number two offense, as far as yards was your San Francisco 49ers number three offense, as far as yards, Detroit, number four, Buffalo, number five, Dallas, they were the number five offense as far as yards per game. If we switch it over to points per game, Dallas was number one. Miami was number two. Uh, Dallas averaged 29.9. Miami averaged 29.2. Niners third at 28.9. Baltimore four at 28.4. Detroit five at uh, 27. Well, again, a, a so good number one points. A game. good announcer is not going to let any facts stand in the way of a good broadcast. So there you go. Well, I mean, a lot of people think points is the bottom line anyway. So, you know, in some ways they are the number one offense. Loner incognito flattered that teams always want our defensive coordinators, but who will be next in line if Wilkes leaves and can stay long-term as our defensive coordinator. I don't know that they're going to have somebody long-term, but I will say this. I would say the leader in the clubhouse for the Niners defensive coordinator position. If Wilkes leaves is the guy whose defense get gagged yesterday against green Bay. And that's Dan Quinn. Because if Bill Belichick is going to be the new head coach in, in Dallas, and I don't know if he is, but he may be, or if Jim Harbaugh, let's say, is the new head coach in Dallas, and I think Dallas will think big. Um, I think bo in both scenarios, Dan Quinn's out. And then it's a matter of, does Dan Quinn, who was the head coach of the Falcons, get another head coaching gig? And if not, and Steve Wilkes left, he was with Kyle Shanahan there in Atlanta. I think uh, Dan Quinn very easily could wind up being the Niners defensive coordinator next year. If Wilkes leaves, do you so, think Seattle calls Dan Quinn? See if he yes. wants to come home. I do. I do. I think that's a great, that's probably the fit. They probably, that's probably where he'll go next. But if he doesn't get that job, he may not get any job. And then that's the, in that, that in that scenario, he could come here. 
Uh, Loner Incognito. I, me, before we move on, let me just yeah. ask you, because you and I are both huge fans of his work. How come Chris Kusurik's name doesn't come up as the next in waiting? Because normally if a team's promoting from within, you take your, you know, like they did with D'Amico, who did an incredible job with linebackers and just promote him to D.C. Is Kusurik just not on that coordinator to head coach path? Is he not interested in that? I I think he may not be interested in that. I think he likes what he does. I think he's well compensated for what he does. Um uh, and I don't, I don't want to speak for him. He might be super interested in it, but it seems like, you know, he's not on that track. Like they don't want, like maybe either he has said it to them. Hey, I don't want that role or he's happy in his current role. Um, you know, it's like, it's kind of like Jim Tom Sula, really. Tom Sula was not a coordinator. He was Tom Sula was a D line coach. Okay. So I, you I mean, know, that's the thing. Like I'm, I, I really respect a guy who has reached the point in his career where he says, I'm, I'm where I should be. I'm happy to be where I am. Um, kind of like Bob know. McKittrick, the late Bob McKittrick, who was a great offensive line coach, but he was never a head coach in the NFL. He was or offensive coordinator even, right? Right. Or an OC. So, you know, it's like, sometimes you do what you do and you do it so damn well that you just want to keep doing it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, mean, I don't I'm, know the answer to that. I mean, with with a constant beast to feed in twenty four hours a day and seven days a week, noise, uh, you know, speculation always sells. I'm surprised. I've I've never seen Chris Kasurik's name attached to a Niner defensive coordinator opening, not for a sentence. And he just seems like a natural candidate. So, well, not only that, they obviously respect him enough that they asked Steve Wilkes to come in and adapt to his defensive front, right, and to take him as the defensive line coach so obviously he has a lot of value and his scheme has a lot of value but he's not getting um dc consideration either because he doesn't want it or he's on a different track and isn't deemed fit for it uh i don't know but I, my guess is he likes what he's doing just asking yeah uh loner incognito says okay so purdy is still is still young so we should build the team around him and they have they absolutely have James Foster says the Packers don't have Pro Bowl player ma- players playmakers. They have good players, good players makers, and a good scheme and a really good head coach. Sounds like a football team to me. Yeah, what the Packers have is a damn good. What they have really that makes it so difficult is because they have so many different guys. You don't know exactly where to lean the coverage. Like if you look at them and look at their game log. Two weeks ago, Jaden Reed had 112 yards. Yesterday, Romeo Dobbs went off for 150 yards. But Christian Watson can go off. And Dontavian Wicks has been one of the hottest players on their offense the last month. And then Luke Musgrave makes plays like a number one tight end. But then Tucker Craft is playing like a number one tight end. Uh, Aaron Jones looks like a number one back. But then when A.J. Dillon's in there, he also looks like a number one back. So, you know, they've got. Youth but on their side, and they've got depth. And so I think you don't you've already know where, where I think you've already said it very well. And just the elevator pitch of the matchup of Packers 49ers, Larry, you already nailed it on the head. You should go back to this all week long. If I use it on my show, I'll credit you reluctantly. But it's the truth. The Packers got a lot of talent and a lot of playmakers. The 49ers got stars. Now, that that talent and those playmakers could become stars of the future. And if they want to become stars, you go ahead, Green Bay Packers, you come into Levi Stadium and you beat the 49ers. A lot of you guys could be on your way to some star power. If you do that, 
But I, I really do think that that's a great way to say it. The, the Niners got the stars, but boy, do the Packers got an awful lot of talent in this game too. And that's going to make it interesting. Well, and the, the Packers have an entire roster of youth. I mean, I, it's the, the only team in football, I believe. Yeah. The only older guys on the entire team would be Aaron Jones, uh, Devondre Campbell, Preston Smith, and maybe that's about it. I mean, everybody else is is uh, basically a youngster. Jair Alexander, I guess, was the 2018 draft. Um, you know, he's he's a little older, but I mean, that's a very young team. Carl Kelsick, YouTube member one. Carl Kelsick, YouTube member two. Thank double you, Carl. Double membership. Double membership. Never double to be membership. booed. Never to be booed. Carl Kelsick will never get a booing. You put him in the ring of honor. You invite you you, you invite the wife. You invite the kids. No problems. Kelsic uh, eats for free. Loner incognito. Can the Niners win when they under? That's the question. When they're under? When they don't score, you mean? Can they win a low-scoring game? I think is what he's saying. Um, I mean, as long as know. they have the lead in it, yes. Can they win coming from behind? Can That's they trail right. by 10 at halftime and actually win the game? Most teams have at least one game like that. They would have had that game if Moody had made the field goal in Cleveland. Instead, we're all kind of left wondering if they can do it. Chuck Flanders says, move on from Kraus talk. Thank you, Chuck Flanders. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. I know. Chuck. Matthew Sanders says, Stroud and love coming back down to earth very soon. Well, that happens a lot, too. That's the other, you know, history tells us don't fall in love with what you see in wildcard weekend. Because the winner oftentimes has to expend a ton of energy, travel, oftentimes go on the road, and then they're sitting there rolling into a to a real tough division round against a team that had a better record, that had rest, that's sitting and laying in wait for them. So yeah, Green Bay. I, I totally agree with that. Green Bay's defense was on the field for eighty nine snaps on Sunday. That's a lot of snaps. And Jair Alexander did hurt that left ankle again. We'll see, you know, how I know they took him out, but we'll see what he's got. And the last super here is from Green Glass Full, uh, Green Glass Full. He says, now PC Pimp Cone is saying just uh, Jordan Love is better than Purdy. And people wonder why there is valid criticism of said grifter Grant. All right, we're not going to comment on Grant. Uh, Grant can say whatever Grant wants to say. Um you know, the, the bottom line on, on the 49er situation is they fought like hell to have this advantage. Now they have this advantage. They got this rest. They badly needed the rest. I think what's, what's going to be what you're going to see is you're, is you're going to see what you saw in Jacksonville. To me, the Jacksonville game is what I think you're going to see next week. Jacksonville, if, you, if we need a refresher course on that one, had won five in a row. Not only had they won five in a row, they had a really talented young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence, and he had a ton of weapons that he was in lockstep with, and they were playing terrific football. And not only had they won five in a row, Damon, they had never trailed in any of those five games. And the Niners rolled into their place, throttled them, took away Evan Ingram on the first look because he was going to Evan Ingram, the tight end, repeatedly. Took away that first look, Put some rush on Trevor, got a lead, um, and, 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 and nothing crushed and crushed. I thought that was the that game to me 
is the how I see this next game is that you, you have to do the same thing. Trevor was in feeling good, lots of weapons, spreading it around, loving life. Suddenly things were changed, and um, and the Niners got a big one-sided victory. I hope that's what we see Saturday night. Well, Larry, I can't help but notice that you brought up my team in a negative light here at the end of the show once again. You know, I wrote down a couple names. I put them in an envelope, and one of those names was Larry Kruger. And I thought, for sure, Larry's not going to go ahead and use this opportunity to further besmirch the Jacksonville Jaguars in my good name. But it happened. <laughs> Trent, I, I, I got to go. I got to go anti-Jags. I did it for Tom. I did it for Tate. I, you know what? You screw that. I did it for Amici's. <laughs> I did it for Amici's because I like Amici's. A little burnt crust. Great, great pie. It's flat. Uh, it's, it's fantastic. I put Amici's name in an envelope and I mailed it to you, Trent. And so when you get that envelope, you're going to open it up and it's going to say, Trent, only eat Amici's. Open that envelope, Trent. So here, we're going to remind everybody, and that's where we probably should have cut it off right there, but we'll remind everyone, Larry and I are going to be back for another wake up 8 a.m. West Coast time Friday morning, and then we will be back at it with an 8 a.m. on Sunday, and we'll even double down, hopefully previewing what will be the NFC title game on a Monday morning wake up as well. So you're going to get double wake ups after the 49ers play on Saturday. You're going to get one on Sunday. And then on Monday, if there's an NFC title game to be talked about, thank you so much for watching. Thank you so much for subscribing. Hit a like on the way out. That will help the algorithm kiss us on the forehead. And we thank you very, very much for watching all season long. Today included, you're an awesome audience. Thank you so very much. Go Larry. Niners. Go Niners. I told Tate. I told Tom. The Niners and Packers first round. Hey, Craig, they got a bookie that maybe I could get a little bit down. I mean, I I don't know exactly. No, I know he pays. I want him to collect. I, I just don't want him to stop by the house, especially if I lose. But I will pay. I promise this time I'll pay. <laughs>